Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Coming up. He would constantly get caught and he would constantly get away with it. It was a very troubling and very strange thing to see that at every stage where he could have been stopped or caught or kind of taken permanently off the streets, there was some loophole. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It's been eight years since eight-year-old Cherish Periwinkle went on a shopping trip with her mom and sisters in Florida, was abducted in plain view, and murdered within hours. Her killer was recently back in court to begin the appeals process of his conviction and death sentence. In 2018, Donald Smith was found guilty in the eight-year-old girl's murder, sending him to death row. Attorneys for Smith appealed the conviction, saying the trial should have been moved out of Duval County. And Schindler joins us from First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. And this case was recently back in court, but let's start back at the beginning. First off, tell me about eight-year-old Cherish Periwinkle. So eight-year-old Cherish Periwinkle um, went missing. Uh, She was shopping with her mother and her two little sisters. They were approached and eventually sort of hounded by a man named Donald Smith at a Dollar General, and then he kind of picked them up and took them to a Walmart, promising to buy clothes. Cherish was um, the daughter of, you know, some troubled parents. Her mom had had some issues. You know, the child child welfare agents had been involved. She was actually supposed to go to see her biological father the next day in California. They were shopping for clothes for that trip when they met Donald Smith. And in fact, it was because of this sort of custody issue that was happening that made officers initially skeptical when Cherish Periwinkle's mom called and reported her daughter missing. Hmm. So it's in June of 2013 then that they went on this shopping trip that Cherish goes out shopping with her mom and her sisters. And essentially then, it sounds like after they run into Donald Smith... This becomes a kidnapping basically in plain view. Right. It's all captured on surveillance. You can see Donald Smith exiting the store with Cherish Periwinkle, you know, in her little orange dress by his side. He had said he was going to get some food. They had been together at that point with Donald Smith for several hours. He had been saying that he, you know, had a gift card. He was he was waiting for his wife to show up. So they were waiting and they were shopping and they were looking at stuff. And so time went by. The kids were hungry. It was one of those Walmarts that has a McDonald's at the front of it. And so he said he was going to go get some food for them. And Cherish wanted to go and her mother let her go, thinking that this was just at the front of the store. But in fact, the McDonald's had already been closed by that time. And he just walked straight out of the store with the girl. And then there's surveillance footage of his van leaving the parking lot. And, you know, what I know from talking to the investigators and the prosecutors on this case, it was not, she did not 
stay long alive after that. At what point then does Cherish's mother realize something's wrong and and take this to the police? It's maybe another, you know, 15 minutes or so. It They start to have announcements over the loudspeaker that the store is going to be closing. They realize the store is going to be closing and she kind of realizes she hasn't seen her daughter and she goes up to the front and she's asking for help and to use a phone and sort of realizing, you know, just piece by piece that, that what kind of her worst nightmare is, is happening. You know, her child's gone. This person has taken her daughter and she's, you know, just kind of freaking out. And so, um, you know, police respond. But as I said, there was this period of time when it wasn't really clear what had happened. Did she know him? Was he somehow an acquaintance of hers? Or was this an attempt to avoid this, you know, custodial handoff of her daughter the next day? Because the mom was also, you know, had her own issues. I don't think that they necessarily thought she was a reliable narrator for, uh, at least initially. And so, there was this period of delay. There was also this confusion about the Amber Alert. You know, what happened was the sheriff's office sent out a notice, uh, as they would to media, to have a, a press conference, essentially. But it was in the middle of the night, and they didn't label it as child abduction-related or homicide-related. They just labeled it a briefing, and nobody went. So it's in the middle of the night at this point, you know, in the wee hours anyway, and no media come to their press briefing. And it just created this delay, this lag time. I don't know that it would have made a bit of difference, but it was a something that everybody thought long and hard about afterwards. And then tragically, it's, it's the next day when Cherish's body is found. And what we would learn is just, it, it's the unthinkable that this man who had taken her from this Walmart raped her and strangled her to death and I know this is a crime that really, really hit people hard, not only in the Jacksonville area, but but all over the country. And I know when I heard about it, you know, it's just one of those cases that you don't want to believe there are people out there who would do this to a child. It was really horrific. It did affect the community. And in fact, the people who testified uh, about spotting his van or helping to kind of put the pieces together, they found some of the items that had been purchased, you know, thrown by a property. They were testifying in this case, I mean, it was seven years after after it happened, just breaking down on the stand. It was really emotional. And what was so troubling about this case was that Donald Smith, at the time he kidnapped her, had only been out of prison for a matter of weeks, days, um, in a a case that was, again, a sexually related case against a child. He had a history of predatory behavior with children from the time he was like a late teenager was his first arrest for exposing himself or masturbating in front of some neighborhood girls. And he would constantly get caught and he would constantly get away with it. It was a very troubling and very strange thing to see that at every stage where he could have been stopped or caught or kind of taken permanently off the streets, there was some loophole that he fell through and was able to remain, you know, getting released, getting released, and then this last time getting released um, just a short while before Cherish was taken.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Cherish Periwinkle, eight years old forever, all because of decisions made years before she was born. Decisions which allowed a man with a four-decade record of deviance to remain free. Each of those decisions, though not quite arbitrary, could have gone the other way. If they had, they could have spared the life of Cherish Periwinkle. Our On Your Side investigator, Ann Schindler, reports tonight. I know you and others at First Coast News have done a lot of reporting, looking into essentially what you described, whether or not this man should have been living freely in 2013 in the first place. And what you found was that there were a number of failures in this case. You even reported that a psychologist wrote a letter in 2002 saying that this man, Donald Smith, poses a clear danger to children now and in the future. Can you speak a little more about some of these missed opportunities that, had they been acted on, might have resulted in Cherish Periwinkle being alive today? I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I spoke to people who wrote the paperwork that signed off on his release from you know, these various restrictions. There was one sentencing that he was supposed to be chemically castrated what he agreed to. And within days of that agreement, he was already refusing to attend the, you know, the therapy. He was already refusing to participate in, um, this agreed upon, you know, medical intervention and still nothing was done, even though, you know, this was supposedly the terms of his release, he would violate. When I first got looking deep into this case, I found a piece of paper, well, it was several pieces of paper, but it was annotated by the current prosecutor, Melissa Nelson. And she didn't realize that it was released in a public records request. But basically, it was this document that said, you know, that this was why the state attorney's office in a prior iteration was not going to uh, pursue whatever level of, you know, prosecution it was at the time and the explanation. And she marks it up with just, you know, this unbelieving commentary, just like, how, how could this be, you know, an exclamation point, exclamation point, like, this is insane. You know, she's clearly reacting just as a person when she's reading this decision by an earlier occupant of her office to not 
prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. So it it's inexplicable in in the sense that, you know, even the top prosecutor looking at this case, looking back at it, just couldn't believe how many lost and missed opportunities there were to intervene. After Cherish's body is found, what does the investigation look like? At what point do investigators track Smith down? In the Cherish case, it was almost instantaneous. That next day, when media finally got the message and started putting out the alerts, the community responded. Someone spotted his van down in a marshy area and called police. Um, they started going to that area t- to to explore. Meanwhile, the police found his van on I-95 and did this um, t- takedown, basically. They realized right away that his pants were wet. And one of the officers, you know, screamed, like, she's in the water. Like, he knew right away. So they called in a, a dog search officer, and they went to this spot that someone had said they'd seen a van, and they found her in this marsh. She was sort of half buried under some debris and some logs. Then that's how they found her. It, it takes about five years then for Smith's case to go to trial How does that trial ultimately play out? What stands out to you when you think back on it? That was one of those cases, we've talked before about how affecting cases can be for jurors. And this was one that even before they got underway, the prosecutor told them that this case would affect them forever and gave them a little warning of the content of what they were going to see, which, you know, a child's death is just particularly hard to um, hear about. And the testimony in this case from the medical examiner was so emotional that the medical examiner actually was overcome at one point, asked for a break, started to tear up. Yes. So what we do is it's, uh, I'm sorry, I have to take a break. Can I just have like five minutes? And that actually played into, you know, the legal issue um, as, as his attorneys at that point asked for a mistrial. And it has been a something in the background of these appeals as as the case has progressed. But it was an incredibly emotional case. I spoke to a number of the jurors after the fact, and they were bonded in a way that was pretty amazing. They would, after the verdict was rendered, they would still get together and talk and socialize. Um, it was just a life-altering for them, I think, to to sit in judgment in this case, which was so tragic and also so consequential with a with a death penalty decision in the end. You mentioned that there have been appeals of that, and I know I said that this case was back in court just recently. You, of course, were there covering it. Why was it back in court, and what is the latest? So in Florida, anytime there's a death penalty, there is an automatic review by the Florida Supreme Court. It's called an appeal. It's not really the formal appeal that's brought by his appellate lawyers, but it is something that they are asked to look at, whether there was, you know, mistakes made in the judgment, um, whether there was, you know, a significant error. So they look at things like, um, in this case, the prosecutor described to the jury the case as, as every mother's nightmare. And there's rules of conduct, you know, you're not supposed to be inflaming the jury and you're not supposed to be giving them like a call to action. There was a line, I think, in closing arguments that, you know, cherish periwinkle is, you know, 
kind of calling out to you, you know, for justice. And so those kinds of um, constructs are raised and discussed, um, whether he was able to get a fair trial because the, the, the you know, the, they did decided not to move the, um, the trial out of Duval County. And so the court looked at those, but there, there was not a lot of, um, I mean, even in the argument, there just wasn't a ton of, of strength. This case was pretty, that the evidence is so overwhelming that any small error, it would not be like a reversible error. And so no, you know, higher court is going to look at it and say, well, you know, because of this misstatement by the prosecution, you know, he deserves a new trial. Right. And so at this point, the appeals process I know is ongoing, but at this point it, it sounds like it doesn't appear likely that Smith will get a new trial. Yeah. So what will happen now? I mean, you know, this is a process that is going to last for a decade, Reads, I mean, these things just drag on. And so he's had this first initial automatic review by the Florida Supreme Court. Hereafter, he will have a formal appeal filed by his attorneys that will look at all of these um, questions and take them to the first district court of appeals, which probably will deny, and then in which case it'll go back to the Florida Supreme Court. So it is a, it is a long process. And, um, you know, it's happening every day. Anybody that's on death row is kind of in this protracted legal fight. But that's the reality of the system. Ann Schindler with First Coast News. Thanks for coming on to share this story. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to you for joining us on another episode of The Daily Crime. If you're a regular listener, then you already know that we put out five episodes a week, Monday through Friday. If you're new to the show, make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening right now to make sure you don't miss all of those episodes. If you're looking for more true crime after that, head over to vaultstudios.com and you can find a full list of our shows, including True Crime Chronicles, our weekly podcast. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>